what's up barebow project listen this is episode 39 mr john Wirt finally came on the podcast i i, I wish that um Dever could have joined us for this unfortunately it just wasn't happening um and then we get into negative self-talk um the negative mindset and kind of how that affects you as as a bare bow or any really any archery but as a as a competitor um but listen before you listen to this you have a fee all right your fee is that if any this podcast any previous podcast really um helps you if you get a laugh if you get something useful out of it um if you you know just enjoy it period please share the podcast you can share it from youtube share the audio version it doesn't matter um that's your fee Okay, that's all we ask, or, uh, you know, it, it helps get the word out about what we are trying to teach and the information we're trying to provide. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's all we ask. That's why I'm just saying there's a fee. You don't have to listen to me rant about sponsors, um, but your fee is to share the podcast um, so that we can get the information out there. All right. Enjoy this episode. Thanks again. Um, and we'll talk to you soon. There it is, recording in progress. We're officially recording episode 39 of the Barewell Project. You guys notice, um, I didn't put this one out there because um, I think less and less I'm going to, and I'm just going to record because, um, you know, it is what it is. But I am joined this evening with Mr. John Wirt, my friend. My good friend, look at you. You look all, you got the collared shirt on, looking all <laughs> special. Um, what's up, man? How are you? Doing good. Just put um, two toddlers to sleep just in time to get to the podcast. And I checked my camera to kind of, I haven't done a Zoom meeting in a while. So I checked how I looked and decided to put a, a different shirt on. <laughs> so That's funny. That's funny. You, you, you're like, oh, I got to see what I look like. You know, Demer never does that. He looks like a complete bum 99% of the time. He looks like a homeless person. You're right. <laughs> He's our favorite homeless barebow shooter. <laughs> um, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. Um, I know you've been, uh, we got to hang out quite a bit at ETAR and, and spend the weekend together. We had a great time. Um, and you know, I know you've been doing some things, you know, you, you actually, you've kind of been out of the limelight a little bit with us, um, because you, you know, you had some career changes and you did some things. So what's, what's going on with John? Where, what are you, where are you at? So the real short story is just before COVID, um, I left Lancaster Archery after 10 years at Lancaster Archery. I went with a company called Old Mountain Archery. Old Mountain was owned and run by several of the guys from the original SAMIC. And um, they had a, a new company, Old Mountain Archery. I teamed up with them for just a few months. Um, but it wasn't the 
the best match for either one of us. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. So only three months after doing that, I um, cut ties there and um, working on a few things. I, you know, I was with Lancaster Archery for 10 years and that's the best work experience of my life. Um, It was, it was something that I really enjoyed and um, um, never had a job that was quite as rewarding as what I was doing there. And so, but about three, maybe three years into my 10 years, I had decided that I knew that I wanted to do something similar for myself. Um, I wanted my own company, my own archery company. And, you know, it took me a long time to, to make the break from Lancaster, um, just because it's a fun place to work. And, you know, it's the big stage in, in archery. It's a platform that, you know, Rob had that I could stand on for a while um, and really touch the whole bigger archery community. Um, so I appreciate and, and enjoy um, remembering working there, but I always wanted to do my own thing. And, you know, in 2022, um, there will be some of my own things. So I can tell you more about that um, as we come to the end of the year, beginning of next year. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I, um, cool. I think that's amazing. I love the entrepreneurial spirit and, you know, the archery industry from a business standpoint is not the easiest thing to break into. And, you know, but for Barebow to have someone like yourself willing to take that plunge, you know, you've already done a lot for Barebow and I'm not, I don't want to pump you full of sunshine, but I'm going to anyway. You know, Lancaster Archery provided a platform for Barebow, which you were the, you know, you led that charge for us. And I say us as in the community, not, you know, not the Barebow Project by any means. Right, Uh, right. You know, and, you know, so many people are, and I want, I want you to know, this is just from a friend to a friend, like we are all very grateful for the work that you did with Lancaster. Um, however, I also can completely understand the idea of like, it's, it's a little bit of self-fulfillment when it comes from a business standpoint, like you have aspirations, you have knowledge that you want to put to test and be able to provide things that you think will help people. And that's, you know, so like, I, I totally, totally commend you for that because that is, it takes some gahunas, it takes some, you know, some hard work and people don't, very few people understand that level. So I appreciate you for taking that risk a lot. But. Um, from, from my point of view, um, I'm not taking as much risk as I was willing to take just before COVID and um, I'll be working part-time. Um, so it, it's not as risky, um, which, is, which is good, um, but it also allows me to completely control it and do it exactly the way I want to do it, which is what I wanted, which starting with Old Mountain, you know, what I wanted was more, um, more ability to direct the, 
you know, control the direction we were going. And I had some, but there was just too much that was out of my reach that I couldn't, um, that I couldn't completely steer. So um, this works out better, less risk because um, it's not all that I'm doing, but um, uh, you know, it's, it's what I've always wanted to do. It's what I've wanted to do since, you know, probably 2013 um, or 14 um, after a few years of experience with Lancaster Archery. So, and, you know, I enjoyed my time there. I think it was a special time for traditional archery, you know, in 2010, not a lot of people knew the name John Demmer. I did because I, back then I thought I could beat him at, at local state tournaments because I was just keeping score and I look for him at tournaments. And I thought, well, I'm going to beat him next year if I don't beat him this year. But um, little did I know that uh, things were going to get out of reach uh, pretty quickly, but um, things changed uh, from 2010 to, to today barebow archery has changed a lot i am glad that i was sitting right there with a front row seat to it and you know for what i could do to influence you know the whole machine of lancaster archery um what i could do to help steer it towards helping barebow people you know was just was just fun for me so you know and when people think that i you know did this or did that i was just trying to make my company, you know, someplace that I enjoyed working and, and increasing our barebow stuff was what I enjoyed. So it was pretty easy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you were, you were literally the first person I spoke to about switching from Olympic to barebow. I mean, you were the first person because I didn't know who else to go to. And, you know, and, and you basically, our, the conversation went something like this. To paraphrase the conversation, it was, Frank, are you going to go to the Olympics? Are you chasing that? Because <laughs> I don't think you're going to go. And I was like, well, well I really want to coach this. I want to be able to coach it. He was like, like I said, you're not planning to put that time in. He goes, you're, you're basically like, you're a good shooter. You'll have more fun shooting barebow. <laughs> yeah. And you could probably do something. So, but, yeah. you know. And you were a hundred percent right. You mean a hundred and fifty percent right. It was it's good. And I appreciate you. And I'm glad that you did because here we are. And even this project has come a very, very long way in you know, pre-COVID, we're a little rough around the edges. I'm still a little rough around the edges, but when it comes to information and stuff. So, and like you were the catalyst that provided that. So I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you a ton, but. Anyway. Um, so let, let me quick Go ahead. tell you about the Barebow tr- Project. And I've told you this before. Um, there's a lot of great coaches out there. We've got a lot more than we, um, you know, when I started in 2010, you know, there was Rod Jenkins was doing a great job. Um, you know, a lot of people would go, a lot of associates I knew would go to see Ricky Welch, um, to work on archery stuff. There wasn't a ton of coaching back then. Since then, you know, we've gotten so much more, um, and the push guys, Tom Clum and the guys Mm -hmm. and you guys, and, um, uh, 
I just want to let you know that I think you're doing a fantastic job. I think that one of the most important things about the Barebow Project and the way um, it approaches coaching is um, you're you're one of the the most involved competitive coaches. Meaning, it's hard to understand competition and specifically Barebow competition unless you are immersing yourself in the competition and um, you know, you, there are, there are some things you don't learn or don't completely understand until you have spent that time preparing for an event, competing an event, and then looking back on how you, how you manage that event. And I think, I think that's a key aspect of what your show is doing and what your discussions are doing is they're bringing really intimate knowledge of competing with a traditional bow um, uh, that, that you don't get unless you're a competitor. And I think that's a really important factor for what you're doing and why what the Barebow Project is, is so valuable. So just yeah, so I, you know, I, I really value what you guys are doing. And I wish I've I appreciate that. been able to <laughs> spend more time with you, but we, we talk enough, so. Yeah, we do talk quite a bit. And I, but I like, I, I'll not gonna lie, like, there's conversations, like, even like Demer and I will have conversations where we're like, you know, sometimes we're like, man, do people listen to what we say? And, and I, and I know that they do, but it gets frustrating sometimes because you try to explain to people, we're not, we're not just telling you this because, or we're not giving this information out because, we just that's just our opinion we're just listen we're just telling you like john very first episode we recorded and it, and it has always resonated with me john come right out and say like listen i made years of mistakes to try to get to this point and try to fix those things now while it's a it's a microcosm of the years of experience that demer has the barebow project kind of has picked up that same notion but has done it in a smaller scale, except I, you know, I mean, and I have developed as a competitor throughout the barebow project. I wasn't, you know, and, and now working with other shooters and developing them. And it's, it's not, it's even my philosophy from the day from our first episode to now has changed dramatically. So it's one of those things where you just, you, you, we're speaking from reality. We're speaking from, what's actually working and what has at this point, you know, um, just provided results, like statistical results, if you want to go by score and, you know, that's, we just, but I, it's, it's nice to hear someone say that. Cause I don't know if anyone's ever said that before. And that's the approach that we try to go with. Well, there, I just, I just can tell because I'm, I'm, I can see it all. I've been around a lot of it. I've competed myself. I know the difference between perspective that's coming from somebody who is, is doing this um, and has really tested a lot of this um, for themselves in competition. Uh, Ashish said, hi, hi, Ashish. Yes. Um, I don't know who else did, but I got to, a pop up on my phone, so I can't read the messages on the screen. But um, there's not a lot of messages going. Uh, it's just some 
John Lewis popped in. Uh, Hi, John. Ashish, Dan McCullough. There's 15 people watching, but they're the only ones that commented. So you guys want to say hi to John Wirt, by all means, go ahead. But yeah, no, it's, I, I, it's, it's really a, an honor to hear you say that about what we're trying to do and the information. And I've learned a lot with like doing the seminars and seeing, I was just messaging, actually Leslie Winker, I think also she's, she's in here. She's in North Carolina. She was messaging me tonight. I didn't tell her we were going to pop on and record, um, but she was messaging me because she took, we had the last seminar at first flight with her and John. And she's, she messaged me that, you know, she's had some struggles since making the changes, which Leslie, if you are still watching, I did warn you that that would probably happen at some point right after major changes. If all of you that are listening to this, if you make changes, you will oftentimes see a quick decline, but if you stick with them and if you're listening to and doing it correctly, you will see an improvement. Um, but anyways, she, um, she went and was like, but then, you know, I'm seeing some positive. And then she shot earlier today and shot like a two forty something half. And she's like, I'm going back this evening to shoot. And I just got it. You know, I got to do this. And and then she broke 250 for I I'm I'm assuming that's the first time broke 250 this wow. you know and she just took the seminar a few weeks ago and and you know and and Leslie's like for those of you who don't know like Leslie shoots she's a high end compound shooter um she is a very successful she knows the game she's a level 4 coach so like and Leslie's like don't take this the wrong so, way. Like this, she's like the student from hell. I'm just kidding, completely. <laughs> but she's like, she analyzes every word that comes out of my mouth. She's like, so why do I? And how come? And and it's not like she's not like no. She's like she just needed to process it and understand it in her brain. And then I would explain it, and then she'd be like, okay, and it's working, and Great. it's working. But go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, I know John and Leslie both competed all over the country in compound they were they were great customers of mine at um asa and ibo events when i was on the trailer and um it was fun to see them sort of just slowly slowly picking it up and and getting interested in barebow and then finally you know both of them just shooting phenomenally so yeah, um, but I mean, it doesn't feel, they feel like they're new at this to me because I watched them change from compound shooting to barebow, but they've been doing this for a long time now. Yeah, and neither of them are. I, I mean, I Winker's not new to barebow anymore. We can't call him new. Um, but Leslie's new, but Leslie is super, super driven and talented. And I am excited to, to see that if she continues to, to pursue barebow and what she can do. Um, in the senior ladies uh, category because she just she has a competitor's mindset so you know she knows she knows what she needs to do but and then that topic well so that's a good segue into the topic that we were going to talk about and it's just that I put I called it negative Nancy's sorry I wasn't trying to be you know whatever but it's just a, a term but in the uh, the title because we're having a discussion, everyone. I'm going to preface the conversation with this. Um, we're having a discussion, and John and I have had coaching discussions before, multiple times, whatever. 
and it was just good to catch up with him and then also have this discussion. Um, recently, I had two uh, shooters, young shooters, shooting next to each other, high-end competitors. They were both having a bad day. And, you know, you could see it if you sit back and watch, and especially in that circumstance. So for you coaches out there and also for your competitors, like they were just the negative energy was feeding off of each other. And so from a coaching, a parent or a shooter standpoint, whatever you can do to pull that person out of that negative mindset, try it. Um, it's tough, you know, and you, there's a difference between um, like empathy and hard love. And in, in when you're a coach or a parent, you have to juggle that decision and what, what direction to go with it. In this situation, I, I waited till the first half and then I may, I basically said like, listen, you two are actually feeding off each other right now. One person needed to make a, a quick, uh, make a correction, but you, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a significant correction, but had a, or an insignificant correction that had a major impact. And the other one just was a little bit out of shooting form because it had been a little bit. Yeah. And I, but, you know, and just to get into this positive mindset thing, Demer, Grayson, we talk about it all the time. It took me way too long to get it through my thick skull and listen to them. It's that notion of, you know, you can't say I can't, number one, never, never, ever allow anything negative to come out of your mouth. If you do allow something negative to come out of your mouth, replace it with something positive immediately. Um, so John, this positive self-talk, this not being negative, not letting how, how this affects people. It's not just Fairbow, It's everything. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. So, um, here's the honest truth for me is, um, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at positive affirmation. I'm I fall into negative um, traps all the time, especially in archery. But, um, you know, I never, I grew up hunting and hunting with a bow came in high school, never competed with a bow until I was in my late twenties, probably. Um, but I wrestled my whole life. I wrestled in college and that's a mental sport too. Um, but, you know, before you get to that situation, um, the first thing is, if if you like one of your um, students today um, or or this weekend when they were shooting, one of them you said hadn't been practicing much and showed up to the tournament and was shooting poorly. First of all, most of us don't really deserve to feel that kind of confidence unless we've actually worked at it. So it was the same with it was the same with wrestling. Um, you know, I didn't have to talk myself into confidence. Most of the time I brought it with me because I, I trained really hard. I competed at a high level. Um, I did well in college. Um, and I just, I expected to win most of the time because I knew I was working harder at it than most people. So so as a person who, who allows negative energy to come in, you know, my, my only real protection from that was 
building a level of confidence prior to the competition that couldn't be assaulted by any means once I got there. Yeah. But from an archery perspective, we're all amateurs. You know, many people are going to prep basically shoot once a week um, at their local league and then go and shoot tournaments. So it's not like you are, um, you know, it's not like you're training five or six days a week um, for this game that we're all playing. Some people are, I mean, some people definitely are, some people are. And before I had kids and when I worked at Lancaster archery, um, my, I had a key to the range. So I would go in at midnight and shoot for two hours, um, hang my bow up at the range and just come back the next morning and start shooting again. So I could shoot two times a day, seven days a week if I wanted to. Um, I mean, to be honest, when I first started at Lancaster Archery, um, there's the small shooting range yep. annex just outside of the building yep. where, where the classic used to be held, which is yeah. incredible. That is incredible, I think. Uh, there was one office there. It was my desk. So it was my desk. My, so there's a roll-up garage door at the back of the range. There used to be. Yeah. And there was one desk, a workbench, and then 20 target bales at the other end. And then the whole big, the, the antique bow collection, as well as the truck, the semi-truck toy collection. And so it was my office. So I could literally get off of a phone call with the customer, stand up, walk about five or 10 feet, shoot an end, and get sit back down at my desk and get on the phone with another customer. So some people can train five days a week. Right. I no longer can. And so I'm totally susceptible to game day um, anxiety and, um, you know, those, those meltdowns. I don't melt down like your teenagers were melting down. Yeah. But internally I'm melting down in a similar fashion. So I'm, I'm kind of weak in that sense, but. No, but I wouldn't call it weak, but I think you're, you're on a very important um, uh, topic though. And it's the idea, like you build confidence. What I have learned and, and what I definitely teach is that you build confidence in your preparation and your knowledge about your own shot. So you know, if you are going into a competition, like there's a, lo- a bunch of people that are coming to like Sarachi Classic, it's okay to come to the class and be like, listen, I'm just going to have fun. And it's a fun shoot, you know, and see people and hang out. If that's your approach, that's fine. And that's, that's, I think that's great. Uh-huh. But if you're going into it and you're, and you have to understand, like, there's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a two way street. If you're going to the classic, but if at any point in time you start to go down a negative rabbit hole, then you really wanted to prepare more and you didn't, or you're just there to have fun, but you're, right. you really want to do better. Then you yeah. got to work harder. And I think yeah. if there's one thing that I wanted, that I personally, like as a coach that I want to change and it's, and it comes from my experience with CrossFit and weightlifting I want to change the aspect of archery where people are like, well, I just shoot arrows five days a week and I think I'm going to get better. And, and I want to change the notion that 
you want to go into a tournament with absolute confidence, you need to be doing drills. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. You need to physically being preparing yourself. You need to be eating right. You need to be resting. You need to have water. You need to do all these things. Like I, I want people to change their mindset and, uh, and approach archery with like an athletic sense. Like you are an athlete, treat yourself like one, prepare like one. Guys like Demmer, Grayson, um, Rick Stonebreaker, guys who maybe sh- have shot for years and they have that thick foundation of competitive experience might not have to do as much of that stuff. But for the people who are trying to come up through, I'm trying, what I'm saying and what I teach is like, that's what you need to do to get to that point. And you will get there a lot quicker. You might not be as consistent as those people, those names I mentioned prior, but you'll get there. And, you know, like when it comes to confidence and, and being able to keep that positive mindset, it's just like, we, we don't understand how our own brain works. Sometimes we don't even know that we're being negative. So if you don't know you're being negative, you don't know how to, you can't replace it with something positive. And all you're doing is, is you're never going to achieve personal excellence at all. You're just going to sabotage your own personal um, ability to get better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're, you're sabotaging your own potential. Yes. And, and here's another thing that's unique to archery that a lot of people don't understand is that, um, uh, so you get to a tournament, let's say you've prepared well, as well as you can expect to prepare given, you know, your lifestyle and and what you're trying to achieve. Um, and you get there and things start to break down. Here's one important factor that, um, must be made distinct. And that is that when you're, when your confidence is starting to fail, you can't simply decide to be determined to, to break through it. In fact, often it's, it's distracting oneself, relaxing by letting go of, you know, um, whatever, whatever it is that's, that's got you. And, um, so it's it's a it's a passive type of response not a not an active i'm determined to shoot this next shot perfectly yeah um you you have to let go and just like has become cliche in archery trust the process but it it's true you, it you true. have to let let the shot roll without you know without being too critical just let it let it roll like it did when you were practicing or when you were drilling and things like that but deciding to change on the next shot is often um you know is often actually squeezing too hard onto it and it's going to cause it to right to break down again and and relaxing and letting go um um distancing yourself from from it is often better um, yeah yeah you know, no, that's right. That's a key distinction because I hear a lot of people say that, you know, they're going to do this or they're going to do that next. Um, but that often causes even more um, anxiety than you, you had in the past. So somehow learning to how to take your focus off of it is important. No, I think it's not. I think what happens is they focus so hard on not doing the thing that they just did that they forget about doing what you're supposed to do right. to have a successful shot. 
So right. like we're we're focused at say, you know, say it's um say it's a grip thing and, and you're you notice that you have more tension in your bow hand than you normally do. So instead on the next shot, you focus you're 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 so like incredibly focused on that one thing that you forget about everything else. And right. that's that's not that's like again, so you're just taking one negative thing that you were like, you know, and if you made like a like I said, people roll their eyes or huff and puff or whatever. Like, and I'll occasionally, like, I'll do it too. Like, I'll kind of roll my eyes at myself and I'll be like, mm-hmm. you idiot. And then I'll be like, oh, nope, uh, I'm not going to go there. Right. I will just start from stance and I will shoot this shot as good as I possibly can. Yeah. And try to hit all of the, I call them performance points, hit all the performance points. Make right. sure I do the shot the way I know that the shot lands the arrow in the middle. We all know what it feels like to have one of those shots where you're just like, oh, that felt so good. That was perfect. It went right in the middle. So that's the shot that you, well, how do you repeat that shot? How do you, how do you get to know that shot? How do you get, and this sounds so weird. How do you get intimate with that shot and be like, I know exactly what I need to do to repeat that shot. So many people don't know. That's probably the thing that I've learned the most. Like one of the most, the biggest epiphanies for me is like, people don't know how to repeat that shot all they know is that they you know they might have that one good shot and then the next shot because they want it so bad they stare at the tip of the arrow too much they get stuck below and then they go and explode out of it right and you know it's just then that happens and then that's when negative the negative mindset sets in right and you know, as people are going in, there's a lot of aspiring barebow shooters. There's a lot of aspiring barebow coaches. And I guess that's just why I thought that this discussion would be an important one. Yeah. Um, and to try to like explain to people, no one cares about your score other than you. So stop yeah. caring about it because that's probably the one thing that's leading you down the negative rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, you get into a bad situation uh, a tournament can go from something you've been looking forward to for months to something you want to just get over with yeah. and get home and, you know, start over again because, you know, your first end, you, you wrecked what you thought you were going to do for the whole weekend. So, so manage expectations is important. Um, if you're going to like a Star Trek classic to make the cut or to win the classic, you know, you're, you're already training now and you're training with purpose. If you just want to go and and be with the group, which is fine. Most of the people just want to go and do that. You know, you'll have, you maybe will have more fun and enjoy the experience. If you've managed your expectations, you know, inspect to shoot a little bit lower than what you would average at home in your, but if your goal is to win it, if your goal is to make the podium at the end, you know, you have to be, you have to be training hard already now. Um, and when you get there, you'll know how to, how to break that shot. So it lands in the center. Um, it's funny watching the finals on YouTube and you see all the comments about accuracy, because obviously in the finals, these are archers who almost didn't miss the yellow yeah. the whole qualification 
and they're using the entire target face sometimes in the finals and people who don't know any better you know are criticizing what they're doing but they simply don't understand you know how hard that is so yeah oh yeah it's it's funny it's funny to me to see that um i've i've noticed i picked up on that as well and you it gives you a a higher level of appreciation for guys like rich parker yep um like fisher D- uh, dillinger um in 2019 2019 and they barely missed the gold in the fi- in that final yeah. match, in the finals period to be quite honest with you um, yeah you know and and it it really is an eye opener to you know what are wh- and again i'm going to emphasize this to everyone that's listening to this now while it's being recorded live and who listened to the recorded and the video version use caution with the information that you absorb online and rather pay attention to those names, the things that those people are doing. If you have questions about it, if you're not concerned about it, they'll probably answer it or you can come to us and we'll try to help you. But like, don't absorb information online from people who aren't doing it. And then, and then, and then preach it like it's gospel. Understand like, the reason it works for them is because they have a very refined system and it you look at like that point that you just made about the difference in what you see you know say number eight and number seven coming in versus what you see in the final two on the podium and you see that performance continue to just you know and dillinger rode that wave right through vegas you know, like he continued, he had that. And I imagine the amount of confidence that that guy was shooting with too. Um, one of the, again, D- John Dillinger is just an amazing person. Um, but, yep. you know. He he trains really hard. He practices, you know, a lot, um, more than people would suspect. And, um, you know, I'm impressed um, that he does that because, He's got more kids than I do, and I don't know how people do it. Yeah, I know. I always tease him. He has. I always, I always tease him. I, I add a kid every time I see him. Like, how many kids you got now? Like fifteen. Um, and Demer too. And I've said that about Demer. I don't know anyone that shoots more than than Demer. Maybe not right now because I know he's not feeling the best. But like, like when it comes to preparing for and working toward a tournament, I don't know. John Demer will never be outworked. If you yeah. if you win you're fortunate you might have got lucky in a, in a head-to-head or something like that but that dude works harder at being consistent than anyone i know i think i i don't know how he can shoot a bow with as much as he fishes like i don't know how that works i'm sure i'm sure he's been lying to us for years about working yeah um this quarry thing and not lying about fishing we see the proof of that see the fish fish. i've never seen a picture of him working um (laughs) i think that's total bs i think he sits at home tying flies shooting his bow fishing he doesn't work tara brings in all the money and that's it you're probably right i mean he sits on the podcast and ties flies every once in a while (sighs) I have recorded podcasts with that guy tying flies 
in a Walmart parking lot. Um, I think once... never at work though, right? Because oh, he doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. You know, you know, one time I told him I was going to stop at the quarry and see him and he came back right away. and was like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm not there. <laughs> I was like, does this quarry really exist? Do you really, do you really have a place that you go, you call work? Um, you know, I think the only thing he works on is Tara's nerves and that's about it. But, you know, and tying flies, of course. Tying flies, fishing, shooting his bow. Yeah, this is such a welcome conversation. It's nice to have some <laughs> on him as much as I do, because usually I'm the recipient more than not. But, yeah, you know, I'm surprised he's not commenting, uh, you know. Well, he's not working. I know he's not working. He's probably fishing. He is under the weather. I, I'll give him that. I'll give him credit. You know, he's, he's under the weather a little bit. But, yeah. Um, I mean, so... Anything else you want to, I think we, I think we hammered home that conversation pretty well. Anything else you want to talk about or. Um, so I remember just back to managing expectations. Um, I stopped wrestling junior year of college and um, maybe a year later, I was getting invited to a, a tournament, kind of an off season tournament. And, you know, I, I felt like I wanted to wrestle again. Um, but the thing was, a year earlier, you know, I was competing at the highest level of my life. Um, I was surrounded by wrestling coaches and, you know, six days a week I was working out and there was just no way that I was going to um, go back and do something um, that I had a lot of pride in, that I had worked most of my life doing. Um, I wasn't going to just go back and you know, out of shape, get on a mat again, because it's just not the same. And it, it kind of takes away from something you had been doing. So I'm not trying to discourage anybody um, from shooting their bow. I just think it's important to manage your expectations. And, um, you know, it's not easy. And if you want to be good at it, if you're struggling with target anxiety or stuff like that, you just have to work through it and there's no substitute for, you know, pulling the string back, um, doing drills and shooting your bow. So, um, I think that's the first thing, uh, make a decision about what you want to do. Um, if you just want to shoot your local league and then go shoot a few tournaments, that's fine. you know, that's fine. And just, you know, manage your expectations and you'll enjoy it more. Um, but if you don't have time to do it, um, if you don't have time to practice a lot, don't beat yourself up over it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, go in relaxed and, and let it happen. Um, but you know, that's just bringing me back to how we started the conversation before the, the, um, you were recording is that if you've got a kid, um, who, you know, hasn't been able to because of the holidays or COVID or whatever's keeping them away from their bow, you know, I guess, help them understand that that day, that competition might just be kind of a practice session for the next time they compete, Um, you know, um, because when I see people go down and, and fall into that, that pit of despair when they're competing, um, most of the time, you don't get out of it until the next day. Um, sometimes the next line you could get out or, or, you know, the next day, but 
most people can't recover mid mid tournament um just doesn't work yeah and just by follow up on that so those two specific shooters one had a 30 point increase in the second yeah. half and the other one had a, a 10 point increase in the second yeah. half. and one's a one and by the disciplines they shoot those are significant numbers so yeah you know again and and I, I just want to I want to back up a little bit when you were talking about like well maybe that tournament is just a um you know it's like it's a shooting session your expectations are are null I, what I, I what I want people to realize is like if you want to shoot the max amount of really good arrows in preparation for something and I I, I the you should have seen the light bulbs go on at the seminar when I talked about this when you shoot blind bail, everyone, your shots are nearly perfect every time. When you do a draw hold and you let the tip of the arrow float in the middle of the target, if that's not what your shot is like, then you know what you need to work on. You should be able to do that every time. If you can't, you understand, when you do a draw hold and you put that in the middle, that's a perfect shot. It's only a portion of the shot, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a perfect shot. Think about the idea of you get better by doing by shooting an arrow as good as possible, as much as, as much as possible. So if you're able to break down that shot and do it perfect or near perfect as often as possible, you're going to improve. I, I, I said it at every seminar and I'll say it on this podcast and I've said it before. You take a month before a tournament, you don't even have to shoot a scored arrow and just do a copious amount of drills, three, five days a week, whatever, you will shoot better at that tournament than if you just shot scored arrows every day, three days a week, whatever, leading up to the tournament. Yeah. I will put money on it. But and the same goes for hunting too. I I, I don't I don't understand the idea of just shooting 3D shoots or shooting in yeah. the backyard. I don't get it. Other than the knowledge base, the idea of, well, the hell I need to shoot shooting drills for. I'm killing animals in yeah. yards. I still, to this day, will tell everyone, you need to be doing shooting drills. They are the bread and butter of becoming better at archery, period. So They're, they're uniquely important for bear bow, too, because um, um, for bear bow competition, we don't have um, tension releases and we don't have, you know, blade clickers. So um, a, a lot of bow hunters, I highly recommend putting a, a string clicker on your bow because it helps make you a better shot. But sure. in bare bow competition, because we're not shooting with, you know, draw, um, draw checks, um, drills are really important. So now I, I realize I need to come and sit through your full clinic because as much as we've talked, I, I don't know the full beginning to end of the Barebow project clinic and I need to come and see it. So I'll send you the, I'll send you the presentation to watch and you can, you can peruse it beforehand. So for, and while you said that, and again, as a, a perfect opportunity uh, John Demmer and myself are teaching an advanced barebow seminar at my facility, the new Grass Hollow Archery. If you've seen the pictures, nice. 
I promise you, I will not um, make you do any burpees or pull-ups or deadlifts or back squats, unless you really want to, and we can work that out. <laughs> but um, I had a, a young lady, Samantha Ensign. I don't think you know the Ensign family from Lancaster. Yeah. They were up and shot the feet at my place this weekend, and she broke the 18, 25-meter Olympic recurve cadet record. I don't wow. really. And I took a picture with her. I was like, Samantha, you don't understand. This is the first record to be broken in the new facility. She's like, you're not going to make me do burpees. I'm like, no, you don't have to do <laughs> anything. Um, but when I showed, when her mom saw or showed Sam the pictures of the place, she was like, what are you getting me into? Where am I going? Because it's rubber floors and, and weightlifting platforms and stuff like I that. I saw the wall ball stripes on the wall. Wall ball stripes, yep, underneath the, the pull-up rig, and which is has been, dude, I, it has been amazing because it's, I stopped coaching CrossFit and weightlifting to do archery and to coach archery. Yeah. I tried to do both for a while it was just too so now i'm able to go back and i got to go in there oh yeah it's been amazing it the recovery time isn't amazing excuse me but like oh it's just so nice to have both of them under one roof i'm not gonna lie i feel so blessed with that situation but um it's it's definitely not your uh what's the word standard archery training center archery shop yeah. it's definitely a different feel so they right. said they walk in there and they see like different the, smell probably too the whole thing yeah oh definitely <laughs> that definitely that yeah I know what you're saying. um so but it's it's just kind of cool and huge weight off off of my shoulders i think that's been that's been I've been carrying for a couple of years at this point. Um, yeah, but, I know. can tell. I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. So anyways, you're all invited to that Bearbow seminar. Check it out online. Uh, you can sign What's up. What's the date? Um, I have to double check. It's the weekend before the classic. And that was intentional. Uh, it's the 22nd. So 21st, we all get together and shoot uh, on Friday night. And then 22nd, 23rd, all day. And we did it the weekend before the classic because people might be traveling. It's easier to yeah. just come in for the week, do the seminar, and then stick around. Now, and then Demer and I are also doing a uh, shortened seminar, uh, a free one um, at the classic. At the classic, but it's not really a seminar. It's just a. It's actually going to be a target panic discussion of sorts, yeah. and it's going to geared. It's going to be geared uh toward barebow but it's going to be geared toward coaches and compound olympic recurve shooters to to basically talk to coaches and say like listen this is what we've learned shooting and competing and coaching barebow and this is how you can apply it for compound and olympic recurve oh yeah i know full circle well, trying to, how many coaches yeah. are actually going to attend it? They're like, oh, it's a Barabo seminar. They might not. I got we'll have to talk to PJ about that, make sure that he uh, advertises it correctly. But it's it's to it's to take the target panic idea and and say, well, what are you doing? And then how how and then for yeah. us for that for people to say, well, this is what I have going on. How do I address it? Or what would you do? Or how would you go about? fixing this same for compound olympic recurve and then also kind of tying it together for the coaches so we'll see how it goes it's i don't think anyone's ever no i know no one's ever really done that so we'll we'll see how it uh 
how it goes but cool yeah so yeah if you guys want to attend that that would be great um and that's pretty much it I, i'm good i don't want to keep you too late you might you might need some I'm, rest so i don't want to i'm good yeah i know I, I look old and tired um kids uh kids are in bed i enjoyed our time frank thank you for calling me and inviting me on tonight um and um uh, looking forward to the next few months of let's big let's, tournaments coming up so let's go through um, some comments quick here john before okay go. okay we got um just a bunch of people saying they miss you like ashish and and dan and santo and um let's see here tracy yost uh um, hi tracy cody greenwood hi, hi cody santo I don't know. Cor- Cornelius McDonald. I don't know Cornelius personally, but he said, you guys just fixed my problem talking to my wife tonight. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I am so happy for you, Cornelius. <laughs> um, oh, Sanjay. Sanjay's there. Thank- You're welcome, Sanjay. He just said, thanks for the great talk. So Dan, Dan, we already gave you the information about when the seminar is. It's the week- weekend before the classic. So come on down. Hey, Dan. Uh, then we'll call it. Yes, you, buddy. Good dude. Real good dude. But no, no questions or anything. Mike Holson just logged in. He said, good to see you, John. Hey, Michael. Yeah. So he's been listening along the way, but um, all right. I guess that's it. Nobody else commented. So thanks for joining me, dude. I appreciate it. It's so nice to see you. Although I can kind of see you when I really want to, I guess if I yeah. want to, but, um, and we'll, uh, we'll hook up. I'll see you at, uh ata as well yep. and we can chat there a little bit and um anybody else if you guys have any questions about this podcast um or if you need help <laughs> i mean you know reach out to us um try to attend the seminar i really think not you john but you should too but everybody else like i honestly think you will have an experience that like it's you're going to learn things that you haven't even thought of and it, and you have to understand this is a three-year accumulation of talking to some of the best brains and performers in the sport that's what this seminar has has is developed from um you know and plus i'm so thankful that Demer's going to actually get to make this one he's going to be there um and he's like you know in 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 many ways he's my mentor from a shooting side and especially a tuning side. Um, I just, you know, from the educator that I am and my experience as a teacher, I just deliver it maybe in a little bit of a different way and and come at it from a different coaching aspect. Um, But I I hope you guys can consider making that. I think it will really have a positive impact on your approach to, to your bare bow for the rest of your life. So, all right, John, peace out, my man. It was good to to talk with you. We'll talk to you later. You too, Frank. Good night. See you, dude.